Scientists, in the opinion of the Nobel Prize-winning Linus Pauling, were fortunate because their world was so much the richer for its mysteries than those not interested in science could possibly appreciate. Certainly in those days Avery's lab at the Rockefeller Medical Institute for Research was filled with a mood of expectation and excitement. In 1943, Oswald Avery was sixty-five years old. He had planned to retire and join his brother Roy's family in Nashville, Tennessee, but there was no question of his leaving the lab at this time. He needed to continue his work on the transforming substance. In particular, he needed to convince his colleagues throughout the world of microbiology and, more widely, the sceptical world of biochemists and geneticists, of the validity of their discovery. Avery was conservative by nature. A generation earlier, he and a colleague had proposed that complex sugar molecules called polysaccharides and not proteins determined the immunological differences between different types of pneumococcal bacteria. Although this theory was eventually confirmed to be true, at the time of discovery it provoked a storm of controversy that had haunted this nervous and sensitive man. In a long and rambling letter to his brother, Avery had repeatedly referred to his worry about the reaction to the new discovery. It's hazardous to go off half-cocked. It's lots of fun to blow bubbles, but it's wiser to prick them yourself before someone else tries to. Avery had an adversary closer to home, Alfred E. Mursky, a distinguished biochemist and geneticist also working at the Rockefeller Institute, had reacted to Avery's discovery with incredulity. To make matters worse, Mursky was widely regarded as an expert on DNA. He had discovered that the quantity of DNA in every cell nucleus remained the same, establishing a principle called DNA constancy. He now doubted the efficacy of McCarty's DNA extraction. A stickler for clean biochemical experiment, Mursky believed that protein found in the nucleus, called nuclear protein, must be the basis of heredity. Even as late as 1946, Mursky insisted that the two enzymes McCarty had used in his extractions would not digest away all of the protein. Mursky was very influential in genetic circles, and his argument impressed the leading geneticist of the time, Hermann J. Muller, who had been awarded the Nobel Prize that same year for his discovery, made two decades earlier, that X-rays cause mutations in the genes of the fruit fly. In a letter to a geneticist colleague, Muller said, Avery's so-called nucleic acid is probably nuclear protein after all, with the protein too tightly bound to be detected by ordinary method. To some extent such disagreement was typical of the situation one might find anywhere in science when various groups from different scientific backgrounds are investigating a major unknown. Never is the argument more acrimonious than when a new discovery confounds the accepted paradigm. But the vociferous opposition of Mursky from within Avery's Home Research Foundation must have been particularly damaging. In 1947, Muller published his Pilgrim's Lecture as a scientific paper in which he concluded that whether nucleic acid or protein was the answer must as yet be regarded as an open question. In the words of Robert Olby, a historian and philosopher of science, through Muller's widely read Pilgrim Lecture, this sceptical influence was spread to a wide audience. In a new series of extractions, with stringent quality checking, 
Avery attempted to confound his critics. McCarty left the laboratory in 1946, which was left in the hands of, amongst others, the meticulous Roland Hotchkiss. Hotchkiss added several new chemical explorations of the extract, all further confirming that it was DNA. He disproved Musk's objection by purifying the extract to the extent that the protein content was below 0.1%.